the name of a small animal, a lizard, that can change its color to merge with its background. But it's a name that could equally be applied to people as well. People who change their personalities to suit their own ends. But it tells young people between the ages of 18 and 25. Oh yes, there's something strange going on here. So Adam, I'm going to admit, I've been a pretty bad Doctor Who fan since January. I I can't ring the shame bell for you on that one because I think I'm in a similar boat. Yeah, I haven't I, I can honestly say I haven't other than seeing the occasional headline pop up in like my news feed. I don't I haven't really been actively following the latest Doctor Who news. Not that there's a ton of it. Right. I mean, there there really isn't a ton of it. I think my only connection to Doctor Who is I I listened to some of David Tennant's um, podcast, uh, which we, we talked about in uh, one of our more recent episodes, which that's not saying much. It was probably already a year ago. Um, but I, I that was my that was my only connection to Doctor Who is listening to his podcast. I did that too, actually, and that wasn't something we uh, we we like coordinated. No, so not at all. That's funny that you did that kind of in the off season. I I kind of did the same thing. I think I was missing. I, maybe it was I was missing Doctor Who. Maybe I was missing David Tennant. I don't know. But I decided, you know, oh, well, if we're going to promote his podcast on an episode, I should probably listen to, you know, some of it. Oh I had, right, Absolutely. I had listened to it like because I think I said in our podcast that we were when we were, kind of talked about his his podcast, I think I said I had already listened to some of it. So I I had, I, I wasn't lying, but I hadn't really listened to, um, you know, full episodes or kind of, you know, more than just a little bit. So I actually took the time and purposely only listened to the ones that had Doctor Who actors. <laughs> there you go. But there I found go. out some pretty interesting stuff. I thought I like, I, you know, I can promote it again, maybe with a little bit more legitimacy this time, because I've actually listened to a decent amount of it, that the, specifically the Billy um, Piper. Billy oh, Piper, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, yes. The Billy Piper episode was really interesting, because I didn't know, I, kinda, I mean, I kind of knew of her history and being a pop star, but she really gets into the details. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Around that stuff, and kind of how she almost happened upon stardom. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I think what strikes me most about his podcast, and then we we can jump into other things, um, is like you always, and maybe maybe it was just me, I always envisioned Tennant as being an extremely personable individual, and in the podcast, that still comes across that way. Like he is just like a very. I don't know if this is the right way to put it, but like gentle in his interviews, his voice is super calming when you listen to the podcast. It's, it's a very enjoyable podcast to listen to. Yeah. He's not, he's not an excitable interviewer. Like some are, no, he doesn't even like, it's almost like he's respectfully toning down his personality. Absolutely. To allow the, the person he's interviewing to shine more. Uh, he's very, he's very good at it. He asks insightful questions and yeah. you know these, especially when he's doing this with people he's worked with, that it's got. They kind of probably look at it almost like, like haha, you know, laughing a little bit. Like okay, 
you know, you're suddenly in this interview kind of thing. You already know, he probably already knows a lot of the stuff that he's asking, right. him, but he's kind of doing it more for the audience. Yeah. But um, yeah, I and I'll say, the last thing I'll say about it is the Jodie Whittaker episode was really interesting as well because she comes from a such a humble perspective yeah and how she does things you can tell she doesn't really see herself as like a big star um in the way she was talking about david Tennant and how he's such a big star but she's not and you know how people recognized him everywhere they went and i thought it was really fun to hear kind of her more humble take on things absolutely that's it's it's a good it is a solid podcast it really is um we're not promoting it other than we thoroughly enjoy it so if you haven't listened to any episodes of david Tennant's podcast um definitely give it a look yeah seriously we we did promote it a few episodes back and you know that was a paid promotion this is not (laughs) we're not getting paid for this one this is more this is a legit you know we actually listened to some episodes and uh and liked it yeah if you want a little bit more david Tennant in your life and who doesn't let's be honest or go broad go watch Broadchurch if you haven't seen there, that yet there you go um, and that's the thing. he's in a ton of shows he really is if you start looking at the guy's back catalog he has a lot of of credits tv credits film credits more than what i realized Stuff that you would never expect, and there a lot of it that never made it to the U.S. You know, stuff right. that he just did in England, and and you can find it on some of the different. You know, uh, what is it? Brit Box has a lot of it on there. Uh, different shows that he's done. So yeah, he's he's very accomplished, and I think I think he's doing. He's a, he's already attached to a couple new U.S. based projects that are coming yeah. up. Some series that he's working on. Can never get too much David Tennant. No. No, he's out there. In other news, are you surprised to hear there's more rumors about Jodie Whittaker leaving Doctor Who? I I would be surprised if there wasn't rumors about Jodie Whittaker leaving Doctor Who. Yeah, it's kind of the only notable thing, at least in the past, you know, couple weeks. There's definitely been some Doctor Who news that's happened between now and January. No, we we don't need to touch on those things. Let's keep things light and happy. (laughs) But... Jodie Whittaker, you know, reportedly leaving after the 2022 special. So the new, I guess, rumor is that she's going to do season 13, which we now know, or we, we've known for a little while now, that it's already been shortened down to eight episodes. So it's going to be a truncated season. A lot of rumors were that she would leave after that. Now people are saying that they have inside information that she's actually going to stick around a little bit longer, do a couple specials somewhere into 2022. And then she'll be bowing out. But this is all rumor. There's no, there's hasn't been an official announcement or acknowledgement from the actor that she's leaving the show. Right. And honestly, it feels like from maybe a month after she was first announced as the doctor, these rumors started that she was going to be a one series doctor, that she was going to be a two series doctor, that she was going to leave after a shortened third series. I don't feel like any of this is is new, right? Like it, it, it's something that has followed her throughout her entire time as the Doctor, um, and I think I think we got bits and pieces of it with Capaldi too, but it definitely seems like this is this is more regular with Whitaker as being the Doctor, and I'm I'm really curious as to why that is, um, but we we know. Hey, we'll at least get eight episodes. 
rumors of maybe at least two specials come 2022. Um, and then we'll, we'll have to wait to see what happens. Right. And, but you know, Aaron, with well, the, the rumors of Jody Whitaker stepping down or leaving that throws all the names back into the hat as who could possibly be the future doctor. It does. Yes. We, and I, I came across a list that somebody, I, it's just li- literally random. It's not anything where there's any kind of, um, you know, valid rumors that any of these people would be taking over. But somebody at The Guardian came up with a list of people who could possibly be a good doctor to take over for Jodie Whittaker. And I, you know, kind of before we jump into this list, and we're not going to go through the whole list and kind of talk through it. We're not going to spend too much time on it, but just maybe picking out a couple names that we thought would be interesting. But before we jump into that, I think it's, I do think that although we've been getting these rumors, this one's a little bit more, not that it's coming from a a source that's more reliable, but just the timing of it makes sense with it being kind of her third season that tends to be kind of the lifespan of the, the modern doctors that they kind of do their three seasons and then bow out. She probably does have plenty of opportunity to do other work. So it wouldn't shock me, you know, this time around if, you know, this is just probably people, you know, doing their best guess. But yeah, after three seasons, it kind of does make sense that maybe she would kind of uh, part ways with this part of her acting career and move on to other things. Oh, you're absolutely not wrong. It just strikes me very much as the like, if I say it's going to rain every day. When it finally right. rains, am I able to say that I was right? Right, exactly. Probably, yeah. probably not. Um, <laughs> but you're 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 spot on. If it would not be a surprise if she were to leave the show after this series, um, and I think there's is it the is it the sixtieth anniversary coming up in 2023? Um, I know there's a big date coming up here soon, which would be pretty incredible considering that we started at the 50th have have we been doing this for 10 years already that's not right <laughs> it that could be because i actually when we do our yes we're going to actually be reviewing classic episodes people but hold on and, to your hats yeah i know we probably should have led with that but yeah with this up we are going to be getting into some classic episodes in a little bit in this episode but i i do have a fun fact that i'm going to share that shows our age <laughs> but i'm going to save that for the for the nice. review, nice. Anyways, it, it would make sense if we were to get introduced to a new doctor, uh, especially with the breaks that have been happening. If we get two specials in 2022, I could see us taking a, another long break from having a series on air until 2023, and then an introduction of a new doctor come 2023. Which, if I if I was seeing it right, uh, yeah, the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who in 2023. So we could potentially if all the math works out Whitaker's done after the end of the series has two specials then we take a long break in 2022 2023 ushers in a new doctor with the 60th anniversary hmm you would think that they would maybe want to time because the 50th anniversary was timed with the leaving of Matt Smith so you would think that maybe they would try to time the 60th with you know Someone rather than trying to time it with a new doctor, you know, who's only been on the on the you know show for about a year, why not time it with the more established doctor who kind of has a fan base? 
Oh, I'm I'm saying so. that it the 60th anniversary would be a regeneration. So, uh, so similar we, to Matt I see Smith, what you're saying. So we similar get with Tenant and Matt Smith, where his first episode is him finally being the Doctor, but having and, and we knew that he had already regenerated, right? Like we knew that was happening. And then his very first episode of the series, well, yeah, that makes sense. He would be a doctor at that point. But basically have Whitaker start to regenerate her very last episode. So the very first episode of the 60th is a new doctor. Yeah, but I'm still thinking that that limits them a little bit. Because your actual 60th anniversary episode isn't Whitaker. It's just her regeneration at the very beginning of the episode. And then you're you're relying on a new doctor to carry the 60th. They do tend to like to do these doctor team ups, so I wouldn't be shocked to see, you know, them trying to pull in other doctors from the past. So I mean, there's all kinds of ways they could go with it. But it'll be interesting. I, I was kinda thinking maybe they'd try to do some sort of a, you know, Whitaker tenant team up or something, um, as a big event episode. That'd be pretty crazy. I mean, I'd be down for it. Even pull Eccleston back in because it seems like he's warming up to the idea again. Yeah, that, I know that's kind of dream, like starting to get into dreamland a little bit as far as what would be cool for the 60th if they could get like the current modern doctors and do like a four doctors episode. <laughs> um, you know, with Smith, Tennant, Whitaker, and Eccleston. That would be, that would be epic. I don't know that they'd be able to pull that off, but a Whitaker tenant episode i feel like is a lot more likely because those two actors obviously have worked together before they like each other uh i i could see that and and they both worked with chibnall yeah so i could see that being a little bit more doable than maybe a bigger thing like trying to drag smith back in although i don't know it doesn't seem like he's seen too much success since the crown (laughs) so maybe he's maybe he's due for a payday so you never yeah, know. There's a lot There's a lot of time between now and the 60th, but it'll be interesting to see what they try to pull off. You could throw Joe Martin in there as well. Yes, yes, that would be cool. Yeah, do a whole big thing. A new Five Doctors. They've done the Five Doctors special before. They could do a new Five Doctors. Hey, I'd be there. I'd, I'd definitely watch it. Yeah. Well, I would watch it anyways, but that would definitely, uh, that would definitely get some excitement um, going in anticipation of the 60th. Right. And if I'm speaking as a fan of Whitaker, who, you know, I, I've enjoyed her time as the doctor, I would love to see, I would, as much as I would be sad to see her go, I'm, I wouldn't be too bothered by her leaving after this next season, because I feel like it's time. It's kind of the new, like I said before, it's kind of the way that they've been doing it with these newer doctors, you know, running about three seasons. And I think Doctor Who is due for kind of that excitement of a new Doctor. I think that might kind of get get people excited about Doctor Who again. Because, you know, between the pandemic and, you know, kind of this big break, it does feel like Doctor Who has kind of fallen off. Oh, absolutely. It's it's pretty incredible just looking at her time, the time uh, time that she's been on the show. She started or debuted 2017 in the Christmas special. So, I mean, she's she's already going on, I guess, five years. As of 2022, she'll have been on the show for five years, even though she only had a, only got three series. But yeah. yeah, I mean, it I I would not be surprised. It makes sense. 
I just hope that it's a fitting exit. I really hope that the next eight episodes that they give her in a series are solid. We'll see. Who knows when we'll see, but we will see. <laughs> right, right. So the Guardian just yesterday came up with this list of, you know, a number of actors that they think could be a good next doctor. Uh, so I, I, the, I think the reason it caught my eyes just because there's a couple actors on here that I recognized that I was like, Ooh, that would be cool. So I thought it'd be fun to maybe just point out a few. I don't honestly, a lot of these people, I don't know, you know, I don't follow a lot of British television and some of these people are kind of more known for British television. Yeah. But some of the names did stand out to me. So I don't know if any stood out, stood out to you. But, um, yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely, there's, there's two names that I feel like have been mentioned before. Um, there's a couple other names that it's like, yeah, that, that will never happen, but that would be fun. And then there's one name that is missing that I feel like consistently makes its way on this list. Um, and that one stuck out to me, the fact that it didn't show up, but it, it makes sense why it didn't, but Who's that? it's not there. Was that? Who's that? Idris Elba. Ah, uh, yes. I think I he's got like too much going on. Consistently been on a list of potential next doctors for like the past five years, and this is the first list that I see where he is not listed, even as like a, it will never happen, but it would be incredible. Right. True. Because some of this is pure fan casting and not very likely, and he, I think he falls in that realm. As much as I think it'd be cool to see him as the doctor, I just feel like he's he's too big of a star. At this oh, point absolutely. to really to really fill that role. Because although Doctor Who has created some big stars or had big stars as the Doctor, it doesn't typically bring in like the big, big household names. It's usually somebody you're like, Oh, I think I saw them in that one thing, you know. Right. Especially for the US audiences. So I'd be very surprised to see someone like him. And there's other names on here that are kind of in that realm. I'd say like Tilda Swinton is on oh, this list. Absolutely. Um, you know, I'd be surprised with her as well. Although I think she'd play a good doctor. And she also just did a, an appearance on, is it what we do in the shadows? Oh, I haven't watched any of that. Is that good? Um, I haven't watched it either, but I know that when she guest starred her and Mark Hamill, both guest starred on the show huh. and both of them were like, what? Like how in the world did you get pulled into, into that show? I've heard great things about the, the new series haven't gotten around to watch it yet, but I think that's the one thing about her where it's like she already got pulled in as a guest appearance on this somewhat random TV show. Maybe the doctor is a possibility. <laughs> Tilda Swinton, I think, would make a great doctor. Mark Hamill, not so much. <laughs> I don't know if I could. I, I mean, I, I love Star Wars. I love Luke Skywalker. I don't know how much of Mark Hamill as the doctor I could put up with. Maybe a He's one, a good joker. Maybe a one-season Yeah, he'd be a good villain. If terror. they brought him in as like a villain. Actually, I could see him like the master maybe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I could see that. Um, I'm just going to pop through this list and just kind of call out the names I thought were notable. Yeah. And then you can tell me if I left anybody off. But they do list Paul McGann, another one that I'd be shocked if they could get him to come back. I think it'd be super cool. Absolutely He's, incredible. I know we've said it before in previous episodes, but I I think that would be, I feel like because he only ever got to do that TV, made for TV movie, that him getting to do any kind of extended run as the doctor in the modern series would be awesome. I would be yeah. all about that, but I don't Absolutely. think that's ever going to happen. Uh, Riz Ahmed. 
who from uh, Star Wars Rogue One fame. Absolutely. I think he'd be cool. He'd be a, a younger uh, doctor. I I don't know. I, I like his kind of, he can play kind of quirky. I could totally see him being the doctor. Um, I'd be down for that one. Yeah, I've, anything that he's been in, I've been super impressed with him. That would be, that would be a fun placement. Again, that's one of those ones where I don't think it quite fits what he typically finds himself in. Um, but who knows? Or at least what he's find him, found himself in recently. Joe Martin, her name pops up a lot. I yeah. I think I'm going to stick to probably things I've said previously that I like her. I like her as the fugitive doctor. I don't know that I, I'd rather her stay the fugitive doctor and kind of have that that mystery around her and maybe she pops in from time to time, but I wouldn't want her to be like the core doctor. Yeah. I think, I think what fascinated everybody about her character most was the, the mystery of it and just how um, different she was, especially from the current iteration of the doctor. Um, Like you said, if, if she were to show up as a doctor, I mean, she was incredible. I would take it. Um, and it would probably turn out pretty good, but I don't know if she would be my first seeing that doctor show back up. <laughs> isn't necessarily what I'd want from an entire series. Right. Tobias Menzies. I don't know if I'm saying his last name right, but I didn't know him by name, but when I saw a picture of him, I knew exactly who he was. Right. Exactly. His face sticks out. <laughs> yeah. He's been in. I think Game of Thrones and The Crown. Uh, he's also been in Doctor Who. Yeah. And I actually think he's kind of more going back to the, you know the form a little bit with Doctor Who. Like if they if they cast someone like him, um, he's kind of right in that. I don't know your typical, I guess, quote unquote, typical Doctor. Right. <laughs> uh, yep. So I don't know if they'd want to go back to that kind of middle aged white male quite yet. I feel like we're a couple doctors off from that. Yeah. So yep. I'd be, I don't think he'd get it, but I think he, I, I've liked him in pretty much everything I've seen him in. So I do think he could do well in the role, but I don't, I don't think he's a, a likely candidate. Yep. He, he definitely is. Uh, yeah. I don't know how he fits, but it's interesting to see his name on the list. Yeah. Um, and then I think there's only really one other one, Richard Ayoade. Uh, I don't know how to say his last name. Ayoade? Yeah, Ayoade, I believe. The the actor from IT Crowd, that's where I know him from the most. But he also pops up in other movies. Right. He's a he he's one that his name pops up a lot. Oh, he is a perennial name that shows up on the list. Yeah. I don't know. He feels like more of a side character type, you know, guest star type person i don't know that i could he's almost a little too quirky or at least maybe oh, i've I, only seen him in like the it crowd or the it crowd is that what the name yeah. of the show is yep role yeah. uh but i don't know he he's almost more companion than than doctor see he's he's one that i would i would be willing to take a flyer on to see him as the doctor i think i think he would be able to do a really good job Again, I don't think it's the direction that they 
they would likely go because you could only envision him as a super quirky doctor. Um, and I don't know if, I mean, we haven't had a super quirky doctor in two, I guess three doctors he, Matt Smith was probably the quirkiest of them. So yeah, I don't, I don't know if we're, we're going back that direction, but I would love it. He's, I, I thoroughly enjoy him and anything and everything I see him in. Yeah. And he, even Smith, I feel like as clownish as he could get, he still played, you know, he still could play that dramaticness too. I don't know. Maybe this guy can't do, I don't, uh, maybe not given enough credit, but I feel like he seems almost, he's known for his comedy. Yeah. Whereas yep. Smith is, Smith is definitely known for his drama. Right. And does some comedy in Doctor Who, but mostly he's known for his drama. So, yeah. I, for one, there's a suggestion on this article um, that stuck out to me, which at first it was like, I'm not too sure about it. But the more that I've thought through it, the more it's like, you know what? That might actually, that might, might actually be fun. Is if um, the way that the article preps it is that, uh, what if the regeneration went wrong and the doctor was left unstable? So we got a different guest star every couple of episodes with a regular cast around them. Something about that idea, like, I think I'd like that. If every couple episodes something happened and it was a totally different actor um, or actress just for a series, I think that might be intriguing. I I like that idea for a special, but not for a series. I think for a series, I'd rather have a, you know, a main, you know, a doctor that I can follow and root for that's not constantly changing. But if they tried to do something like that for like the 60th anniversary special where it's, you know, the doctor's kind of unstable and flipping between different notable actors faces, that would be fun. But yeah, I don't know if they were going to do it series this coming series with only eight episodes i think would have been the perfect opportunity to be like okay everything's out the window we're just gonna mix this up um yeah save that for a special anybody else on the list none that notable to you none that stuck out to me as notable i mean reading through different different uh paragraphs about different people that were mentioned it's like okay maybe that would be interesting um lydia west who would be the youngest um, casting choice ever. Uh, not much TV experience, but I guess she has done a really good job in another show. So I don't know, just a few, a few names that it's like, I've never heard of this person, but it seems like they are talked pretty highly about. So, um, yeah, yeah outside of that, they tend really. to surprise us with these doctor choices. The oh, last, absolutely. I think the last couple, you know, people had their lists and then, it's like, oh, wasn't expecting that. <laughs> so, so yeah, I think we probably won't really. I mean, we're gonna know before, obviously before the first episode with the Doctor airs. We're gonna know who it is. They they tend to announce it pretty early. But yeah, I doubt. I my money's on that. Nobody on this list is the next Doctor. <laughs> How about that? I think that's pretty safe. I think it's pretty safe to say that none of these will end up being the doctor. Uh, and we will have no idea who it is until they do some reveal video again. Yeah. But it's always fun to talk about. Absolutely. All right. So let's, let's get into our episode review. So we were looking for an excuse to record another podcast episode. Really? That's how, that's how it led to this. 
we were we didn't think there was enough news to really talk or to do a whole episode but there were these these animated Doctor Who um series that they had released on BBC America yeah and they they actually showed up on my DVR cuz my DVR is just set to record Doctor Who so it it for whatever reason kind of just took these as oh these are new Doctor Who episodes and so it grabbed them <laughs> And so they've been sitting on my DVR for months, you know, since they aired. And I was thinking, oh, you know what? New Doctor Who episodes we've never reviewed. And we've never reviewed any of the Doctor Who animation. So I I thought this might be a good excuse to record an episode of Bad Wolf Radio. Give us something to talk about. And we haven't reviewed man, we haven't reviewed a classic episode in a long time. We've we've been really focused on the the current series. So yeah. So we're gonna we're actually gonna be reviewing the faceless ones, which is just episodes one through three though, because it's six episodes. We decided to to drag it out a little bit so we have more content to to talk about later. So we're gonna do episodes one through three. Yeah, of the faceless ones, which is our first time reviewing the second Doctor. It it, it is our first time reviewing the second second Doctor. We made it through most of what we could watch of Hartnell and then everything that was available at the time I know they've released new stuff since right everything that was available at the time we reviewed right we just once we got to uh the second doctor there was new new who content and we never returned to it so first time doing classic in a while and also we've talked about reviewing the animated episodes a lot and we've just never made the jump so uh i guess i guess this is the time yeah so a little bit of history on this one the faceless ones the writer was it's actually a team david ellison malcolm hokey (laughs) um director jerry mill and this originally aired april 8th of 1967 and this would be picking up in season four of the classic run of Doctor Who. This is actually, so this would be in the first season of the second Doctor, um, his first season. And it's the eighth story of that, of his first season. But his first season was also the first Doctor's last season. So the first Doctor actually did the first two episodes of season four. Yes. And then regenerated. And then, so, so, um, yeah, so the second Doctor started with with episode three or of story three, I guess, of season four. I mean, thinking back on it, we watched we watched Hartnell's very last episodes, and didn't we get a a glimmer of the regeneration for the second Doctor? So we weren't able to watch the final two episodes oh. of of him because they didn't have them available. Okay. Um, at the time. So we weren't able to see it, but I think we did kind of like look up video of his regeneration. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we did talk about it a little bit, but no, we didn't actually watch the episodes that he regenerated. But okay. in his in the last episodes we talked about was actually um, the War Machines. Yes. And that's when Polly and Ben became companions during that oh. that that series. Okay, that's... I as I was watching these episodes, it's like okay, they're not totally unfamiliar to me, 
Ben and Polly. I feel I feel like I know who they are, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it. Yeah, so I I was the same way. I was like, I know we talked about Ben and Polly, but when did we talk about them? Right. So I looked it up and found that we reviewed the War Machines um on June 15th of 2015. Oh my goodness. No ep- way. Yeah, episode 35 of Bad Wolf Radio. Dang. We actually had a couple guests on, so it wasn't just us two talking about it. Uh and yeah, so we we actually have we did we have done a, a review. Now, I don't think they were a big if I'm remembering correctly, I don't think Ben and Polly were a big part of those episodes. I think they just happened to show up in those episodes and then they became, you know, regular companions, but so Ben and Polly carry over when the Doctor regenerates. They carry over to the the second Doctor. Um, okay. So we have, and we've we've talked about before how the you know how Jodie Whittaker's Doctor has three companions, and it's kind of like oh wow, it's a lot of companions. They haven't done that since the classic series. Well, you know Hartnell obviously had his three companions, and the second Doctor also has three companions. Ben and Polly being the first two, and then Jamie joins um in the highlanders um storyline now jamie is one that i i did look up because even throughout the three episodes that we watched for for the these animated episodes i was like okay i feel like there's more to his character about why he's asking some of the questions or why some of the things that are said he's like wondering what they're talking about so i did look up jamie's character just because it seemed like he was a fish out of water. And sure enough, he was. Yeah, he he joins the doctor, you know, in the high like I said, the Highlanders um episode. So he's he jumps in, I think it's the fourth storyline in season four. Uh that he jumps in and it's only the second storyline with with um Patrick Troughton. So so yeah, so he's he's pretty new by the time we're seeing him here in um and the faceless ones, he's pretty new. He's been with the doctor for about four adventures, I guess you could say. He's um, pretty new, and he's from like the 18th century, which is right. I thought was interesting. So when he says something about the steel birdies or whatever, the, yeah, the beasts, the beasties, the beasts are gonna get him. <laughs> yeah, he seems very. Uh, I don't know where they went on the other ones because there's a, you know, just like putting it out there if you guys haven't already picked up on this. For anyone who may be newer to our show, we're not super knowledgeable about the classic series by any means. (laughs) We haven't watched a lot of it. We are watching most of it for the first time when we watch these episodes. We don't know about a lot of the companions or their tenure with the Doctor, when they leave, if they die. So a lot of this is still kind of new to us. Um, So for those of you who are like experts in the classic era and are like, oh my gosh, these guys have no idea what they're talking about. You're right. We really don't. (laughs) <laughs> so we're kind of learning as we go and I, I i love you know kind of watching the classics because you know you're kind of learning things that the history of doctor who and kind of starting to see where some of this stuff you know all came from and then where the ideas are and, and and how different it was right yeah absolutely and i think i think one thing that we have appreciated from our time talking through new who and i mean we we pick apart new who looking at every single detail. And then as we watch the classic, it's like, Oh, 
that's what they're referencing. Or, oh, that's not the first time that it showed up um, in New Who. It actually comes from here. And just the consistency that we see throughout the classics into the New Who era and some of these things that are consistently getting pulled on, um, whether it be from Moffat or Chibnall, um, Davies, what they're what they're pulling out of these shows um, to pull into New Who. It's always fun to go back and see the original or the initial iteration of some of these concepts or characters or um, plot devices. Uh, they're they're here, um, and well, it, it was fun to see even some of those plot devices in this one, uh, uh, aka. The TARDIS is stolen, and that is a something that jumps out in the very beginning of the episode. Because if you had the TARDIS, some of this would be a heck of a lot easier. It's I think it's come up before too, where the ease of moving it, you know, because that's been kind of consistent, inconsistent in Doctor Who, where you know there's been times where they've kind of implied, oh, it's too like nobody can really move it; it's kind of stuck oh, right. in place. And then yeah. other times, somebody just throws it on the back of a truck and drives away. Yep, yeah, or so a helicopter kind of... picks it up, or I mean, it's it's super hard to move in some episodes, and then others like this episode. Fires of Pompeii, remember? Fires of Pompeii, the guy just puts it in his living room. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> not a lot of explanation as to how it got there. So yeah, this was another one where I was kind of laughing at because I know we had talked about it before, and you see them, you know, the police box shows up on this airstrip at this airport, and it's kind of funny too because you're we're going back in time enough. Whereas, like, in modern times, if you see a police box, it's kind of like, oh, that's some archaic thing. Whereas, in this time period, it's still, I don't know that they were still in use at this time period, but it's not so far-fetched to see a a police box around. It's just not normal to see it in the middle of an airport. Right, and that's the thing that stuck out to them is not so much, oh, a police box, that's weird. It was, oh, it's in the middle of the runway, let's move the police box out of the way. Um, right. Yeah. yeah. It, it definitely did not strike them. The chameleon circuit was working perfectly in this episode. And they thought it was some kind of prank. Maybe um, we do see. So we were kind of talking about the the three companion dynamic. And I did I did catch a lot of parallel in this one in the way that Jodie Whittaker's companions are where there's a lot of shared time, you know, and they kind of all go off and do different things. So you have like the doctors with one companion, but then the other companions are off doing other stuff. And that, that reminded me a lot of kind of what's going on, you know, what was going on with the three companions with Jody. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of a carryover from Hartnell too, right? Like we, we saw that established with Hartnell where, yeah, the doctor was around and he still solves a lot of problems, but you watch all these other characters, involved in the issues or involved in the problems or uncovering the problems or interacting with other characters. And then the doctor kind of like (laughs) wanders in from off screen, says a few things and then wanders back off. Um, That's kind of what we saw with Hartnell. It continues in this and it definitely feels like there's aspects of that with Whitaker's tenure as the doctor as well. Right. So, and I, I, I think that the, the one or two companion dynamic is my preferred three's a little much. And these episodes kind of reminded me of that. Yeah, I, I would agree. There's something special about that one-on-one relationship with the doctor having a second, even show up occasionally just to add, um, 
more to the doctor and the main companion's relationship. Um, maybe a little tension here and there having with the second person jumping in, but three, I mean, really three is a crowd in a doctor who episode, um, which I, which makes me wonder if that's why like these story arcs of the classic, they had to stretch out to four five or six episodes because they have so many characters doing so many different things that they, they can't have such a concise story um, to pull from. But it was, it was interesting to see that dynamic. And I fully agree. There were, there were definitely moments where it's like, oh, okay, I'm watching, I'm not watching the doctor at this point. I'm just watching random people, people do random things. <laughs> and it was, it was funny at the very beginning when they, they get out of the, out of the TARDIS and then, this plane kind of starts to land and then the doctor's like scatter and they all just kind of go different directions. Um, yeah. Which I found kind of humorous. Cause I guess for the story to work, the plot needed them to all be separate, but for that to be the plot device <laughs> to get them right. to all go different directions, they yeah. literally scattered. And, and it, it looks, I, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see the live action, how it looks when they scatter. Mm. Um, but having them scatter in the animation, it, it looked pretty comical the way that they all kind of like pivoted and then ran off this, the, the screen. Yeah, that's true. And we haven't really talked about the fact that it's, you know, animated. It's, it is interesting because, so these episodes were not all of them were lost of the six, but I believe like four of the six were lost. So they, they weren't able to kind of, you know, release this, as you know a complete story and so the way they've been doing it with some of these is they they animate because they have the audio and so they actually animate and so they were able to animate all six episodes they did a black and white version they also did a color version um it was mainly for i think dvd and blu-ray release but it ended up on bbc america as well uh, that they aired it that you could watch so it's kind of cool though because it's an you know for people for these episodes that we would have probably never seen. We do have the option to at least see them, even though they're not in their yeah. original form. Right. And the animation, you know, it leaves some, something to be desired for sure. It's definitely not the highest quality animation. It's kind of hokey, but you know, so is classic doctor who, so maybe it fits. <laughs> That's I'm, I'm trying to decide if it was a, I, a conscious decision to animate in this style. Like the, I, another show that I've never watched, but seeing this animation style, it made me think of it immediately was Archer. Are you familiar with Archer? Yes. It, it It's, it's a same, it's, it's a similar animation style. And I don't even know what you would call that animation style. It's like all the characters are very thickly outlined. So they stick out from the background a little bit more, but they're not like, it's not a fluid animation either. It's, there's there's something about the way that it's animated. I don't know if it's a des design decision because it's supposed to happen in the '60s or, or what. But it is it is interesting. Yeah, I don't know. That's a that would be and maybe they've talked about it on like some of the behind the scenes stuff. But I'm not aware of. But yeah, to me, I took it more as they kind of went the cheap route. They wanted to animate them, but they didn't want to go all in and spend a ton of money to animate them. So it kind of felt <laughs> felt like they kind of cheapened out a little bit. Uh, that's awesome whereas archer i think does it more on purpose for the comedic aspect right. of it this felt a little bit more it could have been more refined and it, and they just kind of 
they had a budget that they were working working with. Yeah. No, that I mean you're you're probably not far from the truth. So so they they they, they scatter and they, one of the things that comes up that's um you know throughout the all the episodes is this chameleon tours area. And I one thing about the chameleon tours area is it it has to be the most insecure area of an airport. <laughs> like the fact that they're able to just keep going back, like going back through that door, it just it, it, I found it pretty funny that they that they had that easy of access and like every like Polly goes there first, sees the guy get murdered, and then they're like, "Where did this happen?" Oh, and then they all go back, and then the doctor kind of goes back there a few times, and you would think at some point they would have just locked that door. Yeah, I mean, especially because the people inside the chameleon tours were like, oh, they keep on seeing what we're doing. We're going to have to kill more of them now or who we <laughs> kill first. Very simple solution. Just just lock the door. I mean, you don't you don't need to make it a big deal. Just just lock the door. I thought it was funny that the airport staff, um, as the episode progresses, they aren't really concerned that they're walking around. They're only concerned that they don't have passports because I guess at an airport back in the sixties, as long as you had a passport, you could walk wherever you wanted to into hangars, into special buildings. It didn't matter. You had a passport. Yeah. And I, I mean, we are so used to modern airports and how secure everything is, but maybe, maybe back in the late sixties, it wasn't that secure. It yeah, didn't seem funny knows? to me having recently traveled where I needed my passport it is it is funny to see that literally it's just a table with a one guy there that's like yep. do you have a passport <laughs> so that's, it could be production it. you know costs and they just kept it simple or it could be maybe that's that's really the way it was yeah i i'm not sure it, but i i agree the security of the airport or at least security of the chameleon uh tours was definitely not top priority there right so what were some of your first impressions of this doctor? I know we've seen, you know, it's not like the first time we've ever seen him. We've watched clips. We've seen, you know, things that he's been involved in. But seeing, like, full episodes with him, what was kind of your first impression of, like, his personality and how it compared to other doctors? He definitely comes across a little bit, I don't know, a little bit more gruff um, than, than modern series doctors. I think the biggest thing, though, um, is... So much, at least for me, so much of the doctors, the way that the doctor is portrayed is through mannerisms and facial expressions. It's not just the voice inflection or how things are said or what things are said. It's more how they are communicated through the whole person. Um, I think that's true with Tennant and and with Smith and Whitaker and Capaldi and Eccleston. They're it's all very much of how they portray the character. I think that's what's really lost for me with the second doctor in this animated form is you don't have that, that physical aspect of it. You don't have the mannerisms. You don't have the, the hand gestures. You don't have the, the looks in the eye and the, the sideways glances and all of that is lost because it's, it's animated can that be communicated through animation? Absolutely. I just don't think they, they really captured that in these episodes. So when you ask me, like, how do I view this doctor? Um, that's a really hard question for me because I, I wasn't quite getting 
much from him in these episodes. Um, and maybe, maybe I'm just overthinking it, but what's, what's your impression from these episodes? No, you bring up the animation. That's a really good point because I felt that throughout the whole, you know, three episodes that we watched, I felt the same thing, maybe not just specific to the doctor, but just across all the actors, you just can't see their acting, right? We're just watching an animated version and you can't see the facial expression. You can't like, I had a hard time even deciding if I thought they were doing a good job of acting or not, because yeah, you know, and we talked about how the animation feels a little bit bo- low budget. So it's really not capturing the nuance of like what modern animation would capture. So yeah, I, that was definitely a disservice done to every, every actor that was a part of this. Yeah. Uh, I mean, really... I'm, I'm very thankful that we've, or that they've preserved the storyline that you can still have this, this part of Doctor Who, and I'm really curious about the last three episodes and to see how things develop because with classic Who, they always have that like cliffhanger at the end. And so I, I finished the third episode and it's like, oh, I, I'm actually wanting to know what happens in the fourth episode. But while I'm very thankful that they've preserved the storylines, it, it just seems like a hollow shell of what you would expect from doctor who like you you're left wanting more um because you don't have the 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 physical representation of the story being told so my impression of the doctor beyond beyond just not being able to see the actor portray the doctor the personality of the doctor i think still kind of came through in the actions and this version of the doctor at first, I felt like, man, this guy just seems like kind of like a bumbling like idiot a little bit. But then you as you watch it, you kind of realize, okay, he's put, it's a, it's like a put on. It's like it's almost like Yo- Master Yoda when you first meet him in the swamp, you know. He's it's kind of a put on. He's he's trying to make people feel comfortable so he can take advantage of them like not taking him seriously. That's kind of what I got from it. And there are definitely times when, you know, the people that he's, you know, he's going around trying to figure things out and he, it's acknowledged by these, you know, these, um, chameleon employees, um, that, oh, they're dealing with somebody of high intelligence because of him <laughs> being able to figure things out. They, they, they definitely say that multiple times throughout the three episodes that we watched. Yes, it was written into the script to remind us that he's intelligent. But <laughs> if we buy into it, you know, even though maybe he, he wasn't doing anything that maybe we're used to seeing some of the modern doctors do, I try to keep it. I try to remind myself that the doctor's character is still evolving at this point. Right. You know, what we see from Hartnell, you know, we talked uh, many times when we were reviewing those episodes how different he was. Yeah. Than than the the modern doctors. And you can see the, you can start to see the evolution because, whereas Hartnell was just like grumpy old man, this this version of the Doctor is still kind of grumpy, a little bit younger man, but has a little bit of a kind of humor to him too. You know, he's lightened up a little bit. He, you know, that kind of stuff. So, I can definitely see where the Doctor's starting to evolve, and that's kind of cool to see that progression. Yeah, I. I mean, there's definitely moments, I think, where I could see what you're saying. Um, there's the moment where 
later on the episode, he's holding a rubber ball and like he squeezes it and he's like, don't move or mm-hmm. I'm going to blow us all up. And then he throws the rubber ball and then runs out of the room. That's like, a do- I, yeah, right. That's like a doctor move. That's like, you know, that's a doctor move that we, we associate to the doctors we know. Right. But it's goes all the way back to this guy. You know, it, all, it goes all the way back to number two that he was doing that stuff. Um, and I know, you know, the fourth doctor was known for that kind of stuff too. So yeah, actually that was that that scene really stood out to me. Oh, absolutely. Like that is that is one of the few moments that I laughed audibly to myself as it happened and a smile came across my face because it's like, okay, there's a glimpse of the doctor in that moment. Um there's the other scene where like he's he's investigating the chameleon office and he hears someone's say I'm suffocating. So he goes and tries to help. And then they lock him in a room and pump gas in there. And he pretends to lay on the floor or he lays on the floor pretending to be knocked out. And then like, he just turns the tables instantly. And it's like, okay, there's another glimpse of what I would expect from the doctor. Um, But it seems like, and again, I'm going back to the animation, but it seems like, like you really have to like latch onto those moments to, to remind myself okay, this is what I'm watching. This is, this is what's happening. Um, and I think in episode three, you see more and more of that happen because in one and two, things are still developing. Um, but then in episode three, you finally see the doctor start to tie these threads of the story together. Um, and then he becomes the, the most clever person in the room. Yes, yes. And that's another thing I think we're spoiled because we see we see this storyline here across six episodes this would have been condensed down to one like 45 minute episode in the modern yeah. series yeah so we probably. would see kind of all that condensed down it wouldn't have a lot of the you know kind of more boring dialogue and kind of dragged out they do a lot of the same stuff you know they're going back and forth to the same places i think that you know if you took this story and re-edited it into a single episode I think that some of that would go away yeah. and we would see the doctor having more of these moments closer together. Um, So yeah, I think it suffers this, the way that the serials worked back in the sixties when they were first making the show didn't do it any favors for a modern audience. We're impatient. Yeah. And I, I think, I think hearing you describe that I'm now, I'm now like rethinking how I'm watching these because it is, it is that development, right? Like it is the, it's that cliffhanger at the end of the episode. And maybe if instead of watching these one right after the other, I was, we were watching them one week and then having to wait another week with that cliffhanger still in our mind before we watched the next one, there'd be a little bit more anticipation. Um, But I think, watching them one right after the other, it probably even then loses some of um, some of the magic that it might have possessed the first time that it was watched because I'm impatient. I'm just going to watch one episode right after the other as opposed to letting that story develop and then latching onto those those different elements and thinking about them throughout the week before the next one airs. Right. And I believe... Um when these were originally aired, the way that they were releasing these was, it was kind of like a daily show if I'm correct. okay. So I think that it was more of a, not waiting a whole week, but kind of waiting to the next day. 
Um, I mean, even then, even right, then. Yeah, you still have that time of like thinking about what you just watched. And they're only like 26 minutes or something like that each. So yeah. you watch your 26 minutes and then you have, okay, like I got to tune into tomorrow's episode to see what happened. And that's like how TV worked back then. So it's this kind of serial format where, you know, they have these longer, you know, six episodes that kind of all is one storyline. Um, part of it is just the way they had to do it back then, probably. You know, they don't have the, the production techniques that they have now. Um, even the fact that episodes are lost how crazy is that how crazy know, is it that's, that that's fascinating to me that they lost the episode but they have the audio still right and they didn't even think you know the way that it worked back then is they you know they aired it not thinking anyone would ever see it again it's kind of like you <laughs> see it once and that's right. it you go to the next one so the idea of them keeping it and re-airing it or you know, keeping it so they could eventually put it on some kind of format that someone can rewatch. Like just wasn't the way things worked back then. So, you know, they weren't, they didn't really take a lot of care in like saving this stuff. And it is, it's crazy because this is one of the more notable or notable television shows of all time. Right. And there's literally episodes that we'll never see. Right. So, yeah. So yeah, I try to keep all that in mind as I'm watching these, you know, obviously it's, it, it can be kind of hokey and cheesy, but at the same time for its time, you know, it was probably riveting to the kids that were watching this, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So out of curiosity, um, because we could go through this and, and look at each, each individual, I don't know, scene and pick it apart. But so far with the three episodes, the story of the chameleon tours being kind of like this, evil organization that is kidnapping and um i don't know the way that the last episode ends they're on a plane and all of a sudden all these people disappear um and they're changing people and stealing bodies and stealing identities and kind of like uh, invasion of the body snatchers how is this story so far striking you uh, i i I'm finding it interesting kind of because they're, they're leaving the mystery, you know, they're hinting at kind of what's going on, but there's not really a full understanding as to what's going on. I don't know what happens. I haven't read ahead in like the episode descriptions, so I don't really know what happens. I, I, I find it interesting. It is definitely drags out. You know, I'm kind of like, okay, let's get to the next thing. But I've, I've found it. I found it fun to watch. I, I do think that the, the characters that they've introduced, like the commandant that is the, you know, guy that's kind of running things at the airport. And now he has this contentious relationship with, with our heroes. Yeah. Um, I, th I found that interesting. The, the other detective that shows up that's looking for the detective that's been killed. Yeah. I, that's one that I really wish I could see the acting because right. I think these characters would be kind of cool to watch. They seem really cool, but it's kind of hard to tell with the animation. Uh, but I find that character cool and how he's like, Hey, we kind of just got to let these people do what they're doing and let's give them like a 12 hour time period so they can go investigate. Um, so the doctor's like winning, slowly winning them over, uh, which feels very doctor who ish. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm finding it fun. And, um, trying to, as long as you can kind of set aside some of the hokiness, I, I think the companions are the weakest part right now for me yeah i can see that i i do appreciate jamie to yeah. some extent just because he's 
I don't know. He he's a good foil, not foil. He he's a good companion for the doctor in some of the moments because he actually seems interested in what's going on. And I still think he has a little bit of that wonder about being in a new situation. So like the whole flying beasties thing um, <laughs> kind of caught me off guard because I didn't exactly know like why would he re- be referring to him as flying beasties until I looked and I was like, oh, he's he's out of his time period. Um, and then when they're hiding from the police officers and he Jamie's literally holding the newspaper upside down, mm-hmm. um, that that stuck out to me. I laughed. Um, he's he thinks that the doctor is the smartest person in the room and he's absolutely right. And so he's trying to get people to work with the doctor and trying to introduce other people to the doctor so that things actually work out. Um, I enjoyed him. Polly and Ben, I don't know. They, they got kidnapped. They got mind wiped. Um, they got (laughs) incapacitated, I don't feel like they really added much to the story or add much to the story right now, other than the fact that they just give the doctor further motivation to figure out what's going on. The story in general though, like although it drags at certain points, um, I think I agree wholeheartedly with you. Like the commandant is actually an interesting character because he is pushing back and refuses to see the, the truth of the situation and what's happening almost to the point that I'm wondering if he, might be in cahoots with the chameleon tours at some points. Um, the new inspector who's investigating the other killed or the other detective that was killed. I think he's an interesting character for the exact same reasons why you said, um, the chameleon tours people, I think because they're so deadpan and because they're a cartoon that's deadpan or animated character that's deadpan, it's really hard for me to like actually care about them as a villain of some sort. I'm assuming um, they're aliens pretending to be human, right? Like, isn't that what yeah, we're getting, that's, getting at? Yeah. That's what I, that's what I think. I mean, that green guy that they led to the medical operating room and then he takes the form of the other guy. I think that's what they all are. Right. Underneath. Yeah. Um, but then the fact that the third episode ends. So after all the stuff and the the pushback from the commandant and not allowing the investigation to go forward. And then the one detective gets on the airplane and then he gets caught locked down. And then the one guy's like, um, now you'll get to see what we've been doing. And everybody on the airplane disappears. Like up until that point, it's like, okay, take it or leave it. There's some good things. But now that I know like the entire plane is empty, I really want to watch that fourth episode. Like the story has me hooked at this point. I want to know what the, the writers of the story, how they actually finish this off. Um, because it seemed kind of like, like I said, uh, invasion of the body snatchers. And now that an entire airplane of what is it? 18 to 25 year olds disappeared. It's like, Oh, I'm actually intrigued to see what happens. Yeah. Why are they stealing these kids? What are they doing with them? You know, yeah, because they're not thing. just like changing. They're not just stealing their bodies for other chameleons, like we saw with the one guy. Like they all of a sudden just flipped what they're doing because a whole horde of people just disappeared. Unless they're like transporting them back to their like home world, because they need more bodies to to go into. I don't know. No, because it's not like they're going into people's bodies. It's more like they're just mimicking people. Yeah, and then yeah. hiding the bodies. So maybe they want to mimic these young people and then come back to Earth so they can be disguised. I, that's, that's 
you're probably not wrong. Like all these kids are supposed to be flying to other parts of Europe. And so they can be gone for a long period of time. And then they come back, but they're not themselves. They're actually the chameleons. And then they're trying to take over the world. Yeah. I think this is secret invasion. I think this is, this is a forerunner. Um, So a little bit like back to Jamie. So I, I kind of saw Jamie as the new Susan. Oh, really? Yeah, because he's like he's with the doctor. He's kind of the one that's not really doing anything. He's just there to kind of question everything and why are we doing this and what what's that and doesn't really know much. And yeah, I found him kind of annoying. Really? Yeah, like I do. I agree with the funny moments of the newspaper. That was funny. Actually, the other part that I found funny was when they were in the uh, photo booth. And they're all kind of talking, and then like the lady pops her head in, and they all act like they're taking a picture. I actually thought that was really funny. Uh, it's one of those scenes that I really wish I could see played out. Yeah, I don't know how it would have played live action, but it worked with the animation. I actually thought they were going to do it again. I thought there were another head would pop in at some point, and they'd have to keep yeah. acting like they're taking pictures. But they they only did the gag once. But I would I could have taken it twice. Absolutely, absolutely. But, yeah, it was it was funny. That scene was really funny too. So there was there was some standout moments where you know Jamie was was funny, but overall I kind of see him as that kind of stereotypical companion that's not very valuable. And maybe he's gonna you know as this as the series goes on, maybe he grows into something more. But for now, it's just like okay, he's the new Susan. Eh, I think you might be selling him short, but maybe. I respect your opinion. And it does seem like they're kind of falling into the old stereotypes of, you know, Ben is kind of the more, you know, gruff and kind of he's like the he's the guy that can go and do kind of the tough guy stuff. And then Polly's a little bit more of a damsel in distress. You know, you yeah. can see these kind of stereotypes of, you know, kind of old TV. Yeah. Whereas yeah. you wouldn't see, you know, you're not going to have you're not going to have our current companions, you know, Mandeep Gill's not going to be. <laughs> you know, a damsel in distress ever. Oh, heck no. <laughs> so, so you can see the, the sensibilities of an older time, uh, definitely coming through in the way they're portraying the, the companions. Yeah. Yeah. But so, yeah, I don't know. Like it, it, it's been, it's been interesting to watch for sure. And I, I'm like you looking forward to kind of turning on that next episode to kind of see where it's all going. Cause I really don't know. I haven't, I haven't looked ahead. Yeah. And I, I haven't either. I'm, I, I'm, I'm going to play this one or let this one play out. I'm trying not to spoil myself. Um, when I was looking at a few other materials, I only read as far as the episode that I watched. So I really have no idea um, how this plays out. But can we can we just take a second and recognize that the main the main bad guy in the episode, his name is Captain Blade. How Captain awesome Blade. of a villain name is that? Captain Blade. <laughs> that is that is good yeah i don't know if he it would be even more fitting if he had some sort of blade <laughs> if he was give carrying. it time we got yeah. three more episodes it could captain. happen that seems like a name you should save for a pirate yeah yeah it might be a little too on the nose for a pirate <laughs> well it is doctor who maybe, uh, maybe he's maybe he's an air pilot or a pirate maybe he's a uh, airplane pirate Right, yeah, maybe that's what we'll find out. A bunch of chameleon pirates. There you go. We, there you go. And I do want to mention one other character because she kind of plays an important role, and it's um, the girl that they run across. That's her brother's missing. Yeah, uh, I think her name's Samantha Briggs. 
from Liverpool. She's, yeah, yeah, she's missing her brother, and she's kind of going trying to figure it out. And Jamie's there; uh, he's been sent there to kind of, you know, kind of stake it out that area. And so he meets this girl, and interest. She's definitely got an interesting personality. She seems to have a little bit more character, even than like you know, the some of the companions. And they really focus in on this this girl, and even her and Jamie, their interactions. Like she's kind of she gets a little flirty. She kind of hugs him at one point, and so you're saying, oh, "Okay, I can see, I can see what's happening here." Um, did well before I kind of say any anything more about her. Was she notable to you too? Oh yeah, absolutely. the The way, I mean, she had almost as much screen time within the first three episodes as Ben. Like she was on the screen an awful lot um, within the second and third episode, or maybe it was just the third episode, but it seems like her screen time rivaled um, Ben's screen time by that point. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I think she, I think she definitely had more screen time than the, the other two companions. Jamie's definitely the main focus as far as companions go in these episodes. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if you saw this fact about this, this character, but originally the intention was this character would stay on as a companion and the actress actually turned it down huh so um yeah apparently they they really wanted her to come on her name the actress's name is pauline collins uh, and she turned down the offer to be a regular and so i wonder if in the writing they were kind of setting up her to kind of be a new companion and that's why they were trying to build some sort of a, a friendship slash relationship between her and jamie because they were hoping yeah. that she would come on and that they would have already set the groundwork, which, you know, I can definitely, it's, it's funny because you can see it's, it's happened even in the modern series where you see these characters that kind of, you know, even someone like Donna, you see someone who you're like, Oh wow, that person could really work as a companion. Yeah. And then yep. they become a companion, you know? And so I wonder if, you know, that's kind of the intentional writing around this character. Yeah. Um, huh, that's interesting. And I just following a rabbit trail, looking at her IMDb to see how many other things that she was in. Because what I just read um, after you you posted in the notes is that she wanted or she didn't want a long term job. And so I was like, okay, that's weird. What else was she in then? And scrolling through her IMDb, she shows up in Doctor Who again. In twenty seven or twenty two thousand six, yeah, in a notable episode, yeah, Tooth a and very Claw. noticeable episode. Yeah, she so yeah, she plays Queen Victoria in Tooth and Claw, which is a uh, you know tenant tenant uh, Rose episode. Yeah, like one of my favorite episodes. Yes, I, I think it was on our list. Maybe somebody it was on yours or mine or honorable mentions or something. But when we went through our tenant episodes. So, Doesn't Rose get called a beastie in that episode? By Queen Victoria. By Queen Victoria. How crazy is that? Ah, so maybe it was a callback. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe that's just a very common maybe phrase. It's a common term that we don't use. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I yeah, I saw that fact as well that, you know, this this actress that Originally, they wanted to come on as a companion, turned him down, and then so many years later comes and plays a very notable uh, guest star. So that is that's I don't know. I wonder how many people have actually turned down the role of a companion after appearing on Doctor Who. I wonder how many times it's been offered. Um, 
Yeah, there's probably things we'll never know. You know, yeah. tons of there's probably been a lot of actors that have been offered roles, even for to play the doctor. I, you always hear these rumors of like this actor turned down the role of the doctor. Like what could have been? Yeah, um, and yeah. you usually hear it from the actor, not necessarily from the studio. Um, so yeah, I'm sure there's all kinds of of people who have turned down the role, either happy they turned it down or maybe regret it, considering how popular the show ended up becoming. Yeah. Huh. Well, I'll be. So yeah. So but yeah, overall pretty fun you know i i would put it up there with any of the first doctor episodes that we watched and reviewed um and i'm just kind of enjoying seeing the the evolution of the show and the doctor as a character yeah i i'm not disappointed or upset that we chose to watch um these episodes i'm very interested to see what happens in four through six um but I think you're spot on just being able to look back and even though it's in animated form, being able to see some of the storyline and the evolution of the second doctor. Um, I mean, it, it does nothing but good things for our understanding of the character as a whole. Right. And we will be reviewing the, the final three episodes of this, of this uh, story in our next episode of Battle of Radio, which I think we'll try to do, um, within the next couple of weeks, we're going to try to do a couple episodes, um, over the next few months, just to, just to kind of get some more content out there. So we don't get too rusty before the show comes back. So we'll be reviewing the rest of this one. And then we're also going to do the other animated series that they released, um, that, which also appeared on BBC America. So for those of you who are wanting to kind of watch these episodes, maybe even before you listen to the shows, um, and this probably would have been helpful at the beginning, but I'm sorry. <laughs> we, you can find these episodes if you have BBC America, even if you didn't record them. I believe they're available on BBC America's website, or is it AMC? So I I'm watching them via Amazon Prime Video, okay. where I was able to subscribe to AMC Plus. Um, for a special deal of 99 cents a month. So that's how I'm watching it. AMC Plus, um, and then it's connected to Prime Video if that's where you want to watch it as opposed to watching it on AMC Plus directly. Okay. So I think AMC and BBC America are are like sister channels. So maybe that, maybe, I don't know. You could probably find the episodes on, on the AMC if you have AMC. Um, you could go to the website and find them that way. If not, I believe they're available for purchase too, right? Weren't you? Yeah, you can definitely purchase them. them. I think they're like ninety nine cents and uh, maybe a dollar ninety nine an episode. Hmm. We probably could have done a little better research on where you can find these episodes before we recorded, but <laughs> Google is really good at that stuff. So yeah, oh absolutely, they, they are out there. You can definitely find them and watch them. Uh, I would recommend it. Uh, they are they are fun to watch and just to kind of get that that historical perspective on, on Dr. Who. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we're going to be, we're going to be reviewing some animated stuff for the next few doc or the next few bad wolf radio episodes. And then we'll see where we go from there, depending on how long until, you know, hopefully soon we'll get some sort of an announcement on kind of like release dates or titles or something for the new series. And then, you know, we can kind of map out what we're doing as far as the podcast. Yeah. It'll be good. 
it'll be good. We have content, at least some new content to record. Yes. Just an excuse to hang out and talk about Dr. Who. Absolutely. Always so, good. So as always, you guys can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or any of the other uh, podcatchers that you may use. You can follow us on Twitter at Bad Wolf Podcast. Uh, Facebook, we have our group, our Bad Wolf Radio group. Um, not a lot of activity, honestly, going on there right now just because Dr. Who's kind of quiet right now, but there is that group in there if, if you want to jump in. Um, you can also find us on Instagram at Bad Wolf Radio, and you can send us emails at badwolfpodcast at gmail.com. So until next time, watch out for the flying beasties. Watch out for those beasties. Watch out for them. They might land right on top of your TARDIS. <laughs> Crush it.